0: Welcome to the Black Money Matters Podcast, presented to you by the Los Angeles Sentinel and Chase Bank. I'm your guest host, Betty Hossel. This podcast series aims to empower our community by providing the tools needed to build financial wealth through home ownership, entrepreneurship, and financial literacy. On today's podcast, we will be speaking with Leslie Jones. She is the owner of the Tintin Wine and Events, an upscale wine bar located in the heart of Inglewood, California, the only one of its kind in the city of champions. It's the Black Money Matters podcast. We're here at Tintin Wine with Leslie Jones. Hey, Leslie. Hey, how you doing, girl? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good.
1: How was your morning? How are you feeling? I feel good. Good morning. Got my makeup done. You look good, girl. Thank you. You look really good. Thank you. Um, you. I want to start. Thank you. You know,
0: I try. Um, I want to really start with just giving you your flowers and starting this amazing establishment. And I love this art installation that we have behind us. And this wine is called Azlina, right? Right. Yes. Um, Tell me a little bit about that wine. I know it had a really unique story.
1: Yeah. So this is one of our favorite brands and one of the favorite, one of my favorite stories to tell about the wines that we carry. So Azlina is a South African based wine company, um, and the owner is the only black female winemaker in the country of South Africa.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy that you pinpoint, you know, um, the community within Mm -hmm. this industry. So that is amazing. And thank you so much for working so hard to find these types of wines to bring to your local community.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 a treat for us. So we're glad when we're able to introduce these brands um, to our city.
0: Nice. And so getting right into it, talk about how you started Tintin Wine and Events and where did this this child of a business come from?
1: Yeah, so my sister and I were kind of both independently looking for spaces in Inglewood. I'm a wedding planner, so I was looking for a space to host events. Um, And my sister really got into wine when she was in law school. So she was looking for a space to have a tasting room. Um, And we were looking kind of all over the city. We knew that we wanted it to be in Inglewood because we're born and raised here. Um, And so when we found this space, we were like, this is perfect. We can kind of merge both of our ideas together. We can do wine tastings and then we can also host a lot of special events so um yeah that's kind of you know how it came to be um but we kind of were both on kind of independent paths and then this space actually brought us together to do it together
0: what a beautiful union and like (laughs) who knew that was going to come about your your life and your sister's life right Right, and how that it was even going to coexist. Exactly. That's amazing. And like, who doesn't like wine at their events? Right. Exactly. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Exactly. So that brings me to my next question. And I think you kind of answered it before, but it was your sister who had the extensive knowledge in wine. Did she kind of depart some of that information to you? Like, did you guys study together
1: before or? Yeah. So, yeah, she's the one who's the expert. She's the one who has curated our our wine list. Um, so like I said, she kind of got into the wine when she was in law school. She traveled a bit a bit. Um, and when she would travel, she would go to different wine regions. Um, so when she would come home, she'll, she would introduce different wines to me. And growing up, our parents really enforced the importance of supporting small businesses, black owned businesses, women owned businesses. Um, so when we started getting into wine, we started looking to to see what Black people were doing in this space. Um, and so that's how we came to carry the largest selection of Black-owned wines in the state of California, because these were the wines that we discovered when we first discovered wines. And so we wanted to just um, serve people at 1010 the wines we were drinking at home.
0: Absolutely, and I think what's really prominent in this story is the the family core values that were installed in you mm-hmm. already put you on a trajectory of, you know, Looking and focusing on the community. And I think that's, you know, if I'm being transparent, what we lack as a culture is like we are so used to being American that we forget that there's a whole Black history and culture that we should also really focus on. So kudos to your parents. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, they really made that a big deal when we were younger and it definitely is a reflecting in our adult life.
0: Yes, I I mean, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, you have this amazing idea, you and your sister are doing the thing and then the pandemic hits. Yes. So how did you, piled through such an uncertain time, like up was down and down was up. No yeah. one knew what was going on,
1: literally. Right, at so all. So how
0: how did that work out for your business?
1: Yeah, it was definitely difficult. So we got this space at the end of 2019 um, and we had plans to open just a couple of months later. And so, you know, we had some delays with permits and construction and all those things and once we got over that hump and we were getting into february march of 2020 we're like perfect we're going to just start construction um and be open shortly after but then of course the pandemic happened um and like i said my day job is a wedding planner so not only did you know other sources of income dry up. That did as well because events weren't happening. So we kind of had to be creative about what we were going to do to keep our business going. We knew that we weren't in a position to continue constructions on this space, but we had already made the announcement about us opening. We had already started to make connections with our community. So we wanted to make sure that we were still relevant and people uh, knew that it may not be right now, but we're going to open. Um, So we started doing just by accident, like some virtual tastings. And the reason why we did them was because we were trying to figure out the wines that we were gonna have on our wine menu. And then people that attended them were like, can you do this for my baby shower? Can you do this for my sorority fundraiser? Can we do this for um, a bridal party? Um, And that's kind of how we moved into doing more virtual tastings and what really kind of got us through the pandemic.
0: And one of the things that, I don't know, if it hit you while you were doing it or maybe you thought of it as an afterthought but with those virtual tastings that was a level of marketing that you tapped right, into right and that just expanded you know your reach cuz some some people would have start say the pandemic didn't hit you would start your brick and mortar and then you would be constantly thinking like okay how do we get the word out Right. But since the pandemic hit, a blessing came and you're like, well, let's start a digital platform first, reach thousands, you know, and, and then bring it back home. So that's amazing.
1: Yeah. And that's literally what happened. And we the first couple of months that we were open, people came in and they were like, oh, we were on your virtual tasting from here. And we did the virtual tasting with this group. And some people I remembered, some people I didn't. But that's the reason why you know they came in and they started following us on Instagram and they were like we were checking to see when you were going to tell us when you were opening um and so that really was a part of our customer base when we first opened.
0: Look at you starting a business <laughs> to then bring business to your business. <laughs> yes. Right. I love that. So talk about some of the other challenges that you may have faced even, you know, starting obviously from the pandemic since that was like the birthplace and then moving towards like finding these types of wines and carrying certain licenses and and insurances and all of that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, um, this is a business that requires a lot of different moving pieces. Um, And my sister and I don't have experience in this space. So it's actually kind of funny, like, before here. I never served before. I never bartended before. I was a host at like PF Chains for like a week and I got fired like when I was in college. So I never really had a ton of restaurant or bar experience um, and neither did my sister. So we had to really learn all of these things um, along the way. And um, we definitely had mentors that helped us. Um, But like, like you said earlier, this is a really unique space. So some of the things that other people in this space may be doing, we were doing other things. So I think the biggest thing for us with starting was just making sure that we had all of our ducks in a row, like making sure we had all of our licenses, we had all of our insurance, we were building a team that was going to be um, loyal and kind um, and gave great customer service. And so there's so many moving parts to this business. And I think for us, that was just, you know, really difficult to kind of lay it all out and figure out what needed to be done. But what ended up working out was that um, I have my strengths and my sister has her strengths and we're really good about, okay, that's a Leslie thing. That's a Leanne thing. um, And we really try to just, you know, do our own things, understanding what the, brand is understanding what our ultimate goal is um, and so that's been working for us a
0: couple things that came to mind is one the happiness that you may share with your sister in building this mm-hmm. in, in in probably the day that it opened and the the energy the chaos everything yeah. but the problems even it's just like you're having a problem about your business right you know and and that is so, so much strength in that so i can't imagine like the joy you may feel and The second thing was luckily you have your sister, right? Because a lot of people go into business (laughs) by themselves and they don't have anyone to kind of like, if you're too, you know, hyper-focused on something or anxiety driven, I'm sure Leanne came to your rescue and vice versa. So grateful, you know, to have that family aspect.
1: Yeah, no, it's super helpful and it really does keep us grounded and helps us stay on track. and like you said, the, the opening was very emotional for us because we had this idea and had been on this journey what felt like a really, really long time because, you know, the months in, in the pandemic felt like double the time. So it felt like we had been working on this for like 10 years. Um, so to finally like see people in the space and it be fun and people are eating and drinking and having a good time was like very, very surreal for us and very emotional.
0: Absolutely. And uh, one of the questions that came into my head is, how did you deal with the red tape that comes with getting your license and insurance? A lot of people, I think, including myself, uh, get a little weary of Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, they're stopping my progression. They don't want me to progress. So how do you kind of how did you get through that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think and something that my sister and I always say to each other is, don't take things personally right so you know there are all of these procedures and processes in place that the city puts in place the county puts in place the health department puts in place abc which is the governing department for liquor license all of these things are put in place and when they put these things in place they weren't saying i'm doing this to make it more difficult for ten, ten, one, 1 and events right they're just doing it because that's the way things are set up um, and so for us we really just try to uh stay positive in that aspect and just realizing like these are hoops that everybody had to go through so if we want to get it done we have to get it done um and that doesn't mean that we didn't get frustrated that didn't mean that you know we didn't stop along the way because it was too much or we needed a break we definitely did uh, but we just would pause and then keep going because the alternative would be not to have your space open. So what, mm. which would you prefer?
0: <laughs> totally. And so that brings me to my next question. When it came to funding, did you have outside support in that?
1: Yeah, so we definitely, like I said, this had been a, an idea of ours for a while, and so we had you, we had savings that we had built up um, that we were we u- were going to use for this space. Um, but we also got a lot of help from family and friends. Um, you know, we had people that believed in what we were doing, and um, you know, shout out to my dad who literally has helped us every step of the way. And so we've had people in our lives that have contributed to it. Um, and then, you know, we've had to get loans for certain things. Thankfully, we haven't had to take out a huge amount of loans, like our business has been profitable in the first year. Um, and like I said, some of those things that we we're doing before we open, like the virtual tastings and consulting for uh, different wine events helped us kind of continue to build this space. But um, yeah, we've had to get help along the way, and it was just important for us to make sure that we didn't get too far into debt into something that we couldn't get ourselves out of. So every time that we have borrowed, it's always been responsible and it's been for a certain reason that we know is going to be pro- profitable uh, in the long run.
0: Right. And some of the key points that you said, a lot of businesses within their first year just break even, but you were profitable and right. that was due to the groundwork and field work you did during the pandemic right. of getting your name out there. and. That's amazing. I'm just seeing it all trickle in. It's just like, (laughs) wow, that like a higher power definitely just set you guys up for success.
1: Absolutely.
0: So moving into your demeanor, as you said, and your personality, I'm sure you had to adjust to understanding finances in a bigger light. Mm -hmm. What have you uncovered as an entrepreneur and businesswoman that had more of a, like, oh, I need to learn this about finance. And what are the things that you started to have
1: to pay attention to? Yeah. So um, the biggest thing is really not biting off more than you can chew. And so when we opened up this space, we only had 60 wines on the menu. And the reason why we did that was because that was what we could afford in inventory at the time. So we knew eventually we wanted our wine menu to grow, but instead of, overextending ourselves by, you know, putting all the wines that we initially wanted to put on the menu day one, and then try to figure out how to sell them. We we're like, you know, we're going to scale. So have we thought about opening up another location? Absolutely. Have we thought about doing all these other things? Yes. But we make sure that we don't overextend ourselves financially so that we don't feel that pressure to... Um, fulfill all of these financial commitments. Um, And so it might seem like a, a small or silly thing, but I think a big mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs do is that they get excited um, and they might have might have the funding initially to do some of these things. So they're like, we're going to do this, 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 and this, we're going to have six locations. Uh, we're going to have a mobile bar. We're going to ha- do all those things. Um, and then now you're responsible for paying the people that are doing these things, responsible for keeping up with the inventory. And that was just not a pressure that my sister and I wanted. We knew that we wanted to start small and gradually move into something bigger. So even our space now, like, I think we have like, maybe 20 tables when we first started we had 15 because that's how many tables we could afford and then we started making some money and we're like okay we can add a we can pay for five more tables we can pay for 10 more chairs uh, and that's literally how we we do every part of our business
0: so it what i'm hearing is and i think just to speak on the mistake right that a lot of entrepreneurs make it 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 takes so much to just trust yourself and believe yourself Believe in yourself. So I think when they finally get to the point where like I can do this, they just take flight and Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to do this. Right. Right. And where you and your sister, luckily, I think because both of you had separate entities Mm -hmm, um, where mm -hmm. it was, you know, independent workmanship, you realized and took from that experience like, yes, we can do this but we're going to have parameters in which there's a budget. Right. And right. we're going to adhere to that budget and we're going to expand only when we see that we can expand. Exactly. Yeah. I understand. And yeah. with with that you cuz a lot of it is prediction, right? You don't know a lot of things when you go into business and there's a lot of risk. Right. But you've also mentioned within this conversation the knowledge that comes behind that mm-hmm. will mitigate that risk and exactly. you'll feel more confident. Yeah. in in what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving into your business, so 90 percent of the beer and wine champagne selection is black owned. First of all, wow, didn't <laughs> even know that that was possible. Mm-hmm. How did you make that, you know, a significant part? And you, you kind of answered it with your family core values. But why is that so important for Tintin Wine and Events?
1: Yeah, so people ask me all the time, like, what am I most proud of um, about opening this space? And that's definitely the biggest thing for me. So, Black owned wine companies make up less than 1% of the wine companies in the country. So, for us, the wines that we're carrying, we're not just carrying them because We like them, which we really do. But it's important to us because when you support our business, you're now supporting and patronizing these other Black-owned businesses. Um, And that's huge for us because we know that people are coming in, they're enjoying the wines, and now they're going to their local grocery stores. They're going to their local Total Wines. They're going to their local liquor stores and asking for these brands so that these brands can now be carried in other places. So our goal was never for people to say, oh, you can only find this wine at 1010 in the Los Angeles area. That's not our goal. Our goal is that these wine brands expand and are at other spaces in the city so that their brands and their um, companies are blowing up, too. Like, that's what our goal is. And so we've had winemakers come in here to, to get their wine on the menu. We'll try it. We'll like it. And we'll say, hey, have you been to this place? It's around the corner from here. Have you been to this place? Have you been to this place? Maybe try it out and try to get your wines in there, too, because I don't think the final goal should be getting your wine into 1010.
0: Absolutely. And then even bigger scale, you never know who's eating here or drinking Mm -hmm. here. So like it could be, you know, a a franchise owner um, looking for a new product and like, "Mm, this wine is really good. And and next thing you know, they're in all these franchises. So it's just the exposure, I think, is a really key point to to bring up.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny you say that. So, uh, in October we curated the wine menu for insecure faith fest. So the big party that, um, through before the premiere of the show. Um, and that's literally what happened. Somebody from Insecure came in, they liked some of the wines that they had been served. So they asked us to curate the menu. And it was great because those wine makers were able to come from Northern California and DC um, and really showcase their wines. And like I said, it's not about 1010 because nobody at the event knew that we curated the menu, but everybody now sees these wines and they've tried them and now they're looking for them. on online or in their local spots so that's big that's amazing yeah and
0: I think that goes to show you the importance of everyone wants to start a business to be a business owner and have that entrepreneurship but then I think you get into it and you're like wow my purpose is actually to highlight and shine others who um you know are are doing the same thing Mm -hmm. but in a different way and i think that's a beautiful vehicle that you're using to showcase all of these black owned businesses at once yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you um so how do you connect with these black businesses how do you find them do they find you or how does that work
1: uh it's a mix of both um like i mentioned before there's some of these wine brands we've been enjoying for years so we knew you know, where to find them. We were part of their wine clubs. We have visited their wineries before. So we knew when we opened up our space, we were already letting them know, like, we're opening up something soon. As soon as we get it open, we want your wines in our space. Uh, But now I would say more often, now that we've, you know, become a little bit more popular, people do reach out to us to, to carry their wines. And we love that too. Um, and what we have done to kind of make sure that those wine brands are successful here, because we might have wine and love it. Um, but we have almost a hundred wines in our menu, right? So it's kind of hard as a person who, um, maybe hasn't been here before, or doesn't know about wine to put, Pick a certain wine. Um, so, what we do is we have a series called Meet the Winemaker. We do complimentary t- tastings and we allow winemakers to bring their wine in, have our customers try it. They love it. And so, now when they come in the next time, they're going to order that brand so that we're not just bringing them on the menu one time and only ordering from them one time because, you know, after the first time, nobody else nobody knows who they are so this gives us an opportunity to introduce our customers to this new brand um, and allow them to try the wines and then they keep on coming back and asking for it so it's great because it really helps the winemaker be able to still have a partnership with us versus just coming one day and letting my sister and i try the wines we love it and then it's on the menu for two weeks and not on it anymore so
0: that to me is a really good thing too, to have people, cause I'm someone who will try something and that's what I get from that place from now on. Yeah. There's no <laughs> other thing on the menu, but it's good that you open up to your guests to be part of the process of, you know, winemakers and, and getting them into your collection. Um, would you say that that's part of the criteria or how, how does that go? I know your sister probably plays a a heavier hand in selecting the wines, Mm -hmm. but what have you seen as someone who's in those rooms is like, okay, how does, how, how does a selection work?
1: Um, i mean any winemaker that has several varietals in their collection are always that's helpful so if you only have a pinot noir or you only have like a chardonnay it's a little bit more difficult for us to carry your brand because we already have so many of these but if you have a red blend a pinot noir um a sauvignon blanc uh, a cab then we're like okay let's see like let's try them all out and see which one kind of sticks with our customer base. Um, so it really just kind of depends. I mean, I think the thing that has been most difficult for us with kind of curating the menu is there are some very popular black owned wine brands and people come in and ask for them by name, which is great. We love that. But we also want to introduce people to some of these smaller wine brands. You wouldn't know about Lena if you hadn't come in here and you know talk to us about it and so it's important for us to not only expose like those big brands which are great too we're talking about building wealth we want those brands around as well but we also want to give brands like Aslina to be in a position like those other big brands
0: and to hear their stories exactly. you know they come these wines travel right, right. and they just carry such a richness, not only in taste and in density but just their stories behind how they got in the bottle. Right, you know? Exactly. So that that is really fun to learn about mm-hmm. as, as a consumer and as a business owner. Yeah. How would you describe your clientele?
1: Um, so it's actually really funny. I mean, most of the people that come in here are uh, women and they're anywhere between like 25 to 50 years old. Um, but the guys in the area are starting to realize that there are a lot of attractive <laughs> single women at 10:10. Uh, so we've been getting some some more guys some, coming some through. Here. through like, oh, what are we doing right? Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> it's kind of changing a bit. But this is really a fun place for girls' night out. This is really a fun place for date nights. Um, and we've been seeing, you know, even like guys coming together and you know having. A guys night out here and um yeah so it's been fun it's it's interesting to see like how it's changing and then actually like how diverse our clientele is like we're the middle of inglewood um but we have gotten some recognition from different blogs and different newspapers and so yeah it's interesting to see people that have traveled from throughout other parts of the city. Like we had people that travel from Pasadena or even as far as the Inland Empire to come and visit our space. So it's not, um, it's becoming um, a bit more diverse than what I thought it would be.
0: And I just thought of another idea Once they find their soulmate here, you can plan their wedding. I'm in your life forever. (laughs) Right. They thank you for just A through Z. It's a a full package. Exactly. So you have some tasty things on your menu. Um, I. I'm going to disclose this. I came, you know, personally, Yes. I remember seeing you girls yes, and I, I saw some salmon that looked some looked really good. I was eyeing it, you know? Um, so talk about like the different um, appetizers and how the kitchen kind of marinades with the wine.
1: Yeah. So it was important for us to have like some traditional wine bar dishes. So we have a charcuterie board, we have steamed mussels, um, we have like breads and butters, uh, <clears throat> but we also wanted to be true to the food that we like to eat as well. Um, and so shout out to Chef Kendra of Swift Cafe in Leimert Park. She kind of helped us curate our initial menu. Um, and then as our team has grown, um, the chefs that have helped us now kind of bring on some new things. Um, shout out to Jeff and Antoine. They created our happy hour menu. They created our brunch menu. And um, it really is just things that we, we like to eat. So what you saw were the salmon bites um which we kind of did as a special the night of my birthday and they sold out and people came back the next day asking for them so we were like oh maybe we should put those on the menu um our most popular dish is the shrimp and risotto um so it's like a play on shrimp and grits um super flavorful um goes great with like a glass of sauvignon blanc um so it's a great dish that that people come in and ask for all the time
0: and well, let's not glaze over the bread and butter. So the butter... <laughs> <laughs> everything has flavor here. Yes. You can just tell. Yeah. And I think that also makes that stands out as a black company. Mm-hmm. Th- it's going to be some good food. Right, right. Um, so <laughs> the butter itself, I forget the different ones that I tried, but
1: there was like a garlic one. Yeah. So we have a sage and brie. So it's uh, the herb sage. Um, and then free butter that we kind of infuse in it. We also have a Merlot and shallot butter. So like Merlot wine with shallots. Um, and then we also have a Cajun butter, which is probably the most popular. And we put on a couple other dishes that we have here. Um, and we have people like, Times that we've run out of the butters because they we make them fresh every day, uh, people are, get furious. Like, they're like, <laughs> Where is we came my for butter the bread and I butter? I came for butter. Now, wait a minute. I was like, We have so many other things on the menu. They're like, No, but this is what I gave. It's for. your bread so, and butter. Exactly. So people really like the bread and butter, too. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to talk about um, you mentioned a couple of events. So you have the wine, uh, meet the winemaker event. Mm-hmm. What are the other signature events that you have?
1: Yeah, so we try to do something every night of the week. So, on we're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, Wednesday night, we do wine down Wednesday. So, we do wine specials and then we also have live music where we feature local musicians. Uh, Thursdays, we do all day happy hour. So, that's really a day where, you know, if you wanted to come in and really learn more about wine, um, there's not so many other things going on. So, you know, our team can really dedicate more time talking through wine with you, um, helping you select wines, helping you kind of uh, formulate your palate. So that's a really fun night that people like to come in. Um, Friday night is a turn up. We have a DJ, like he turns up, like (laughs) it's fun. People are dancing, they have their glass of wine. Uh, It's a good time. And then Saturdays, we do it like maybe once a month or every other Saturday, we do the Meet the Winemaker series where we bring in the winemaker. Showcase their wines, do specials on their wines, um, and really get our customers introduced to those wine brands. Um, And sometimes they're really established wine brands. So we, you know, had an event with. The mcbride sisters uh, for our anniversary week um, we've had brown estate here but we've also had smaller and newer brands come in too so that's always fun um, and then sundays we do sunday brunches from 11 to 4. Uh, we have a dj too it's a good time bottomless mimosas um, so yeah pretty much we, we got something going on every day yeah
0: and <laughs> one thing i can say this is it's an oasis for any woman But, I mean, you just feel the energy as a a Black woman and Mm -hmm. you're hanging out with your girls and it's just, it it just really does capture that energy. And you're right. uh, Speaking of your diverse um, aspect that you were shocked, I was there and I saw like a couple of diverse people and I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, right. Cuz right. you don't you really you really don't expect I wasn't it cuz it's, it's it, yeah. in the central heart of Inglewood. Right, so it's right. like you I don't know where you came yeah, from. Yeah. but Come on. <laughs> and the and the welcoming environment. That was another thing I wanted to hand you another rose for. I mean, okay. this place is immaculate. Thank I you. Thank love you. how you picked out the colors from like your featured wall. Everything is just perfect.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So you mentioned or I definitely highlighted the fact that you're, this is a vehicle for other black businesses to shine and be highlighted. And I know there must be in a world where it, there's not a lot of us in, I believe you mentioned it's like less than 1% of Mm -hmm. black owned, uh, businesses within the winery field. How have you been able to, receive your blessings either financially or through marketing or however that may come. How were how you able to do that and how were you able to see that through in rooms where there was less of us to kind of understand what your vision was?
1: Yeah, so I think it's two things. One, when we set out creating our menu, um, it wasn't that we wanted to have the largest selection of black all wines in the state. We just eventually realized it as we were building our menu. And these were brands that I mentioned before that we already were drinking and enjoying at home. Um, And so we didn't know that it would be, it was so unique what we were doing, right? We didn't know that it was going to become so popular. So because it is something that is unique, uh, we've gotten a lot of publicity around it, which has really helped us to um, make money and then also in turn order more wine from these wine companies so that they can make more money too. Um, so yeah it wasn't something that we were expecting at all. We knew that this space did not exist in Inglewood before and so that's what we thought was kind of the unique factor about our space. We Our tagline is first and only wine bar in Inglewood, but then we had to add the largest selection of black-owned wines in the state of California because that's not something that it was being done anywhere else. Like there's Places that will carry one or two here, but there had, there isn't a, a place that has such a large collection. And so we were really just, like you said, doing our business model, doing, you know, what we had laid out to do, but we didn't know that it was going to be so unique and that people were going to take to it so much, which is why we've been able to kind of, you know, in our first year of business, really be successful.
0: Absolutely. And again, thank you so much for just allowing yourself to be open in that in that space and we mentioned off off camera that you had to put on a very tough face in some situations to make sure this vision of yours uh, came to pass so thank you so much leslie i really do
1: appreciate yeah, it Yeah, no thank you i appreciate it
0: one other question how do you wh- or what would you say to inspire another person who is scared to take that step into their dreams of owning a business?
1: I think the biggest thing um, that kind of stops people from jumping all in um, is fear and comparison. So, you know, when we opened up this space, of course, we visited other wine bars to kind of, you know, see how they did things, kind of, you know, have that experience so that we weren't just going at this completely blind. But wine bars in this city, wine bars in other cities are completely different. They may not have a DJ, they may not you know, have the energy of it being kind of loud and buzzing and things like that. And we've had people come in and say, well, this isn't a traditional wine bar, like it's kind of loud. And so if you gotta stick to what other people are doing, then we might as well just have opened up another wine bar under another name and just did a franchise, but we wanted the space to be our own. So I tell people all the time, we look to see what other people are doing so that we are making sure like we're staying on trend. So we, um, you know, make it, like I said, we don't have experience in this space. So make sure we're doing things correctly, but by no means does that, um, alter like what we, what our plans are and what we're going to do because 1010 really is, um, a true blend of me and my sister's personalities and, um, Thankfully, people have enjoyed it and they love this space. But I think if we tried to do it any other way, it wouldn't be successful because it's not who we are. So I would just say do it and don't look to the left or to the right. Just stay focused on what your initial goal was.
0: And I'll close with saying it'll be natural everything Mm -hmm. up until leading to this point has been just natural things that you attracted to Mm -hmm. yourself yeah so thank you again for taking the time and energy to meet with me and being yourself and opening this business
1: thank you i appreciate it (laughs)
0: please join us next time on the black money matters podcast as we discuss ways to empower our communities and get our people financially healthy follow us at the la sentinel on twitter and facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube at Los Angeles Sentinel Newspaper. Also follow The Taste of Soul on Twitter and Facebook at Taste of Soul LA. Oh, and don't forget our Instagram at TOS underscore Street Fest LA. Thank you for listening. This podcast is sponsored content brought to you by J.P. Morgan Chase.